This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to ER Vet of Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm a board-certified emergency critical care specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us. Today, you guys are in for a treat because we're going to be speaking with Dr. Doug Mater, and he is triple board certified as a veterinary specialist. He's been a veterinarian for over three decades, and I'm really excited to talk to the amazing creatures that are not the typical dog and cats that we typically see. So we'll be right back after these messages. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee. If your dog likes to chew, you don't want them chewing your furniture or your shoes. So give them Natural Farm all-natural dog chews and bones. Made from sustainably sourced ingredients that are free from artificial colorings, preservatives, and chemicals. Check out their gully sticks, bully sticks, and collagen sticks in flavors like bully stick, peanut butter, and chicken. And their stuffed collagen and stuffed bones. Big dogs or little dogs, you can choose your chews. Go to naturalfarmpet.com and save 15% off with code ERVET15. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. Today, I'm really excited to be able to speak with a veterinary colleague and friend, Dr. Doug Mater. Dr. Mater, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Justine. It's such an honor and privilege to be here with you and, and chat with you and your listeners. Well, just so our audience knows who you are, do you mind giving us a little bit of background about who you are, where you train, what you do, and what your board-certified specialties are in? Okay, sure. I'd be happy to do that. Um, I've had kind of a unique and very pleasing career. I'm board certified in ABVP, American Board of Veterinary Practitioners. Originally, it was called Companion Animal Practice, and then they split it up, and now it's called Canine and Feline Practice. I went on later to get board certified ABVP with Reptile and Amphibian Practice, and I'm also boarded in the European College of um, Zoological Medicine with a subspecialty in herpetology. Wonderful. And I understand you practice. Uh, you practice for uh, three decades and you don't treat the typical dog and cat. Give me a little bit of example of what you typically treat on a day-to-day basis. Well, things have changed a bit. I, I mean, my bread and butter has always been dogs and cats because I love surgery. I love endoscopy. I love ultrasound and cardiology. And that was, you know, that's how I paid the bills. But my hidden passion, my marijuana, if you want to call it that, is always been exotic pets. I, you know, I was born in the Florida Keys. And in fact, my grandparents built the third house on the island where they lived. And they sold that house to my parents. And we lived there until Vietnam took my dad away. And uh, we ended up moving to Hawaii to a military base there while he was serving in Vietnam. So I've always kind of been an island boy. So I've always been around fish and dolphins and turtles and uh, you know, reptiles and creepy crawlers and things like that. So that's kind of where all of it began. And whenever I get the chance, that's what I like to work on. And I'm semi-retired now. I say that jokingly because I'm probably busier than I've ever been. 
I sold my dog and cat referral hospital, and I'm just doing wildlife work now. So I have alligator farms, a couple of zoos, some aquariums, butterfly house, and then I volunteer my time with U.S. Fish and Wildlife and take care of all of their endangered key deer. So it's it's kind of a dream job. Amazing. And what got you into veterinary medicine? Ha, that's funny. Hormones. <laughs> when I was in high school, I wanted to be an MD. That was my goal. There was a, a TV show on, this goes way back before your time. And the doctor was just amazing because, of course, he was incredibly good looking and he knew everything and he saved everybody's life. So I wanted to be an MD. My older sister liked horses. And as I mentioned, my father was off in Vietnam and the stable where she kept her horses required that the uh, father or the man of the house came out and did a workday one Saturday a month in order to keep your horse at that particular facility. Well, there was no man in the house except for me, the little brother. So I used to go out to the stables and I would do the work, fix the fences, whatever needed to be done. And I noticed, hey, there are a lot of really cute girls out here with these horses. And being a young guy in high school, it's like, yeah, that was kind of important. Then I noticed that all the young girls were drooling every time the blacksmith would come out and shoe their horses. And I go, you know, I can do that. So at 15, I moved away and I went to Blacksmith College. I learned how to shoe horses, moved back and started my own horseshoeing business. And what was really cool was I met the local veterinarian and I started working with him. And we'd have these horses that were really lame and ready for the glue factory. And he would tell me what to do. And I would make special shoes for these horses. And hey, they were walking again and they became functional horses. And part of that human-animal bond, we could keep it alive rather than send it off to the abattoir. And I realized, you know what? I can do that too. And so I kind of combined my love for medicine and my newfound love for horses. And I decided I was going to be a horse veterinarian. And that was my whole goal, Justine. I had started out my whole career. I got my master's degree in equine behavior and I was going to be an equine surgeon. And then uh, one night, some underage drunken driver was out drag racing with his friends, lost control of his car, ran me over. One year, 11 surgeries later, I just never had the strength to go back and work on horses again. But that's how I got into it. Wow. Interesting story. Thank you so much for sharing that. You know, it's so interesting. I saw that I've obviously known you in the field of exotics medicine. And for our Pet Life Radio listeners, you may not know, but it is really, really hard to become board certified in the area of exotics. And I see that you wrote this incredible book called the vet at Noah's Ark. And this is very, very interesting because obviously you see a lot of different species that the typical small animal veterinarian sees. And again, most of the time we're seeing dogs and cats, but you see the whole gamut. First of all, what inspired you to write the vet at Noah's Ark? And do you mind just telling me what your favorite story from the book is? Sure, I'd be happy to. Well, I was an avid reader when I was growing up. I mean, I, I couldn't get enough reading. Whenever I had a chance, you know, I'd always be reading. It could have been a dictionary. And while I was going through my evolution and I met this veterinarian, he said, you know, there's this book written by this British veterinarian named James Harriet. He goes, I bet you'd really like to read this. And it was called All Creatures Great and Small. And I'm, I'm sure you've read it. And I think most people are, that have gone to veterinary school at least and the older generations, I'm not talking about the newer ones, have read his books. So I read his book and I just fell in love with it. The guy's an amazing author. He's an incredible writer. He tells wonderful stories. And I told myself way back when that I would love to do what he does. And I would love to write a story like this someday when I get older. So that's kind of what started the book. And then how I got into it was, again, I had started my career as an equine veterinarian. 
And I told myself two things, Justine, and this kind of is important for your, especially your veterinary listeners, the young ones, that, you know, the veterinary career is so broad. There's so many things you can do. And I, I told myself and everybody that I knew two things. I, one, I would never work on small animals. And two, I would never live in a city. So what did I do? I ended up buying a small animal hospital in LA, <laughs> right? <laughs> the two things I said I would never, ever do. So that's kind of how the whole thing started was a, a good friend of mine and I, we decided we wanted to work for ourselves. So we went together, pulled all of our pennies, bought this hospital in the crappiest part of town you could have imagined. This is the only thing we could afford. And hence the birth of Noah's Ark. And um, when I was in high school, I've always loved writing. And my English teacher in high school told me, if you want to be a writer, you need to write at least one page a day. So I wasn't going to keep a diary because that's what girls did. So I always kept a journal. And even when I went, when I was in vet school and when I was in practice, I kept journals. And then as I got into the academic side of practice, I started keeping detailed journals so that I could publish papers. So the book is true. Everything in it is legit. Everything in there is 100% accurate. And it's all because I've kept thousands and thousands of pages of notes over the years. That's wonderful. And I definitely have read James Harriet. I also wanted to be a vet since I was a child and uh, love all the stories. We as veterinary professionals have so many amazing stories, but we oftentimes don't capture them. So I'm so glad you were able to capture them in your book. Now, you have several vignettes in your book that involve emergency care. We'll be right back with Dr. Maida right after these messages. How many of you have pets? My hand's raised. Now think about how lucky you are to have such a sweet little pet in your life. And that pet is lucky to have you too. But unfortunately, there are countless pets out there that don't have a home to call their own. However, Bob's from Skechers is trying to change that. So we developed Bob's for dogs and cats to help pets in need. With every purchase of adorable Bob's footwear or fun, stylish apparel, or even the cutest Bob's pet accessories, Skechers makes a donation to Petco Love to help save shelter pets. And with your help, we've already saved the lives of over 1 million pets and raised over $7 million. So while you're getting style and comfort with features like Skechers' famous memory foam cushioning, you're also helping to save an adorable pet in need and helping another lucky owner be connected with a future best friend and companion because happiness is having a loving pet by your side. Find Bob's at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, select Petco locations, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. We're speaking with Dr. Doug Mater about his book. And this is an amazing book for all the animal lovers out there called The Vet at Noah's Ark, Stories of Survival from an Inner City Animal Hospital. Dr. Mater, was it hard to learn how to handle all the exotic animals that you see? Well, yeah, because back when I started, there were only two colleges in the country that were even offered any courses. And I'm not talking specialty areas. I'm just talking like maybe one or two courses on cage birds, things like that. And so a lot of what I learned was just through my reading, you know, and a lot of it was non-veterinary stuff because a lot of with the exotic animals, what we're dealing with is just husbandry and biology. 
And then I just went out of my way to attend conferences. I joined the AAZV, you know, the American Association of Zoo Veterinarians. I just did everything I could to learn about it. And then unfortunately, a lot of it is seat of your pants learning. So, I mean, if there's nothing written on how to fix a sick sea turtle, you figure it out. And if it dies, it's tough. Okay. I mean, we hate losing patients, but you don't just bury it. What you do is you talk about it. You, you tell your colleagues so that we can all learn from, I mean, we're all in this for the same page, you know, we're all on the same page and we want to do the right thing. So if I make a mistake, I'm, I'm not so arrogant. I'm not going to tell people about it and say, Hey, listen, I gave this sea turtle drug XYZ and it died. Okay. I would strongly recommend not doing that in the future. So that's the way we learn. And unfortunately, sadly, in the early days, we learned at the expense of some of our patients. I actually experienced that too during my internship where I remember calling my old mentor, Dr. Harvey, who was a board-certified surgeon, just so distraught over the way that I had mishandled a case. And it was a, a really complicated liver shunt, an abnormal a blood vessel that can occur in Yorkshire Terriers and Maltese and small dogs. And, you know, we oftentimes will beat ourselves up, but I will say even in human medicine, that's why they call it practice. We always aim to practice the highest quality of medicine, but it's harder than you think. So, you know, I always say when in doubt, uh, we always learn through our patients. Now, I did want to ask, your life in the inner city seemed stressful when you wrote about it in the book. How do you handle this? And do you mind just giving us some examples of it? And how do you take care of yourself both emotionally and physically as a veterinarian? That's a really good point. I, I actually talk about that in the book. But the way I talk about it is I talk about it by talking to my dog. The book is technically, it's a memoir because it's about a part of my life, but it's really not. It's a story about the human-animal bond told in the first person. And my best friend, and to me, the star of the entire book is my dog. His name was Wok, W-O-K, just like the cooking instrument. And he was a Chinese dog. That's how he got his name is because there, apparently there's somebody told me there's a book on how to walk your dog. And uh, my wife and I thought that was hilarious. And he was such a cool dog with a great sense of humor. So we asked him and he said it was okay. So we named him Wok. He was a chow chow. And uh, my wife was an emergency room nurse, a human emergency room nurse. And so we had literally 180 degree schedules. And every night I get home from a very difficult day, I would take walk, put him on his leash, and we would go for our walk walks at night. And then we would end up sitting on the park bench and I would tell him about my day and he would listen. And so one of the ways that I handled the stress was I, my best friend would listen to me every night. He never criticized me. He never judged me. He was always there for me. And in fact, there were a couple of times he was actually my bodyguard. And you know, when you read the book, you'll read some of the walk stories, but he's by far the, the, the hero of the book. The other thing was exercise. I take care of myself. I Back then, I was a runner, and so I did a lot of running and working out. And, and then I think probably the most important thing is, and this just goes for anybody, I can guarantee you, I don't care what profession you're in, but I can guarantee you in veterinary medicine, you're going to have a bad day. It's going to happen. Don't think, nah, it'll be fine. I got great clients. You will have a bad day, and you will have a bad day that's just horrible. So be prepared for it. Just like I live in the Florida Keys, I'm prepared for hurricanes. I don't ever want one, but when they come, I know they're coming. So you're going to have a bad day. Establish a network of friends and a support group. And the thing is, you're going to be there for them if they need it. And when the day comes along and you have a bad day, they'll be there for you. So the way I've always handled stress was, A, my animals are, are really my lifeblood, my pets. And B, you know, if I need to, I call you or I call one of my friends and we chat. And that's what friends do for each other. Agreed. 
I will say I also, as a veterinarian, life is stressful, especially as an emergency vet, when we're seeing, you know, pet owners who've never met us before, they don't have a established relationship with us. And we often are dealing with life and, and death situations. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm so passionate about ER vet as a podcast, because it's a great way of being able to educate pet owners so they can avoid that ER visit to begin with. But for our own mental health, I agree, there's so many things we need to do to take care of ourselves. And so I'm a high intensity interval training addict and that I have to do it. Otherwise, I, I just get really, really salty or crispy. So you know how it is. Yeah. All right. Sure do. Well, I know you're a prolific writer throughout your career, medical textbooks, book chapters, peer-reviewed scientific veterinary literature, magazine articles, and now this great book. Do you mind just telling me, first of all, where can people find the book, The Vet at Noah's Ark, and who is it directed for? Is it for pet owners? Is it for veterinary professionals? Oh, well, it's if I could just take a slight step backwards, and it's if you've ever read any of the James Harriet series, All Creatures Great and Small, All Things Bright and Beautiful, and the other ones, his stories are all set in the beautiful rolling green hills, the countryside of Yorkshire, England. My book is set in the middle of the inner city, surrounded by a concrete jungle, gangs, graffiti, hookers, violence, drugs, you name it. Who is it written for? It was originally, I wrote it for me because I wanted to tell the story. But when I wrote it, I wrote it in such a way that anybody can read it. If you just like a good read, you'll enjoy it. You don't have to like animals. It's written as a story over a course of one year. It happens to be the year that coincides with the civil unrest surrounding the Rodney King riots in L.A., that happened to be the year that I applied for, credentials for, studied for, and then sat for my first set of specialty boards. So trying to do all that, I know you're boarded, you know how hard it was to study for that, and then juggle life in the inner city with all these things going on. It was quite a challenge. It's a great read for anybody. I think if you are going to be a veterinarian or if you're a veterinary student, it would be a really good read just to get an idea of the real world. I think veterinarians would enjoy it because they can all relate to it. Some veterinarians had much easier go at their career than I had it at mine because they probably don't live in the middle of the inner city and carried a nine millimeter to work with them. So it's the critics have likened it to the first American James Harriet and other critics have likened it to just a fast paced medical drama written in the first person. So it's it's a little bit for everybody. And as far as where to get it, Amazon, of course, carries it, Walmart, Target, all the major online booksellers. You can go to my website, dougmater.com, and there's several links there if people want to order it. So it's it's available everywhere. Wonderful. And I always say, as I'm frantically stressed out in uh, the end of November, beginning of December of each holiday, trying to get all my holiday gifts, when in doubt, get them early, right? So at least you have them at home. So when I doubt, you definitely want to check this out. For the animal love on your life, again, the book is called The Vet at Noah's Ark. And again, amazing stories about practicing in the inner city of LA uh, where his veterinary practice was. And again, not only did he treat dogs and cats, but emus, skunks, monkeys, foxes, snakes, and a whole host of other exotic animals. So you definitely want to check it out. It's stories of survival from an inner city animal hospital. Dr. Mater, thank you so much for all that you do. I love how you wrote the modern day version of James Harriet and can't wait to check it out. Thank you so much. Oh, it was such a pleasure to be invited. Thank you. I really appreciate it. 
Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Find me at Dr. Justine Lee on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Justine Lee or email me your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time and we would love to thank our guests, Dr. Deb Mater and Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.